Good afternoon and happy Easter, everyone, from the racing capital of the world, Speedway, Indiana. My name is Nick Sturgeon, your host, and thank you for listening to episode 48 of the Cyber.Now podcast, your number one spot for learning about tech, cybersecurity, politics, and policy. I want to thank our show sponsor, Delta Research. I cannot thank them enough for their support. I also want to thank each and every one of you for taking some time out of your day to listen to this show. Time is the one resource that we do not get back and are not guaranteed. I really appreciate you spending that valuable resource on this podcast. For those of you who are first-time listeners, thank you for tuning in. It is my goal to keep you coming back weekend and week out. If you are a returning listener, your continued support is very much appreciated. Outside of listening, I ask only a couple simple things. If you find the show's content valuable. First, share the show with your network, then go subscribe, rate, review, and go sign up for the mailing list at cyber.now.com for the latest news, insights, and behind-the-scenes information. So, going to jump right into it. This week, we are following up with the last interviews from the Sirius Cybersecurity Symposium from a couple weeks ago up in West Lafayette on Purdue's campus. This week... It's Joel Rasmus, the Managing Director of Sirius. Second is Mark Lepker of the National Cryptologic Foundation. And last but certainly not least, the one, the only, the legendary Gene Spafford, also known as Spaff. Really great conversations with all three of those gentlemen. Certainly appreciate them taking some time out of the conference to come sit down and chat with me about what it what was going on with the conference, what's going on with them, and just talking about cybersecurity in, in general. So again, first up is Joel, second is Mark, and then close the show out with Spath. I really hope you guys enjoy those conversations. I will catch you all after those interviews. Well, good morning. We are just about 30 minutes from day two, or the start of day two of the Serious Security Symposium, the 20th annual. 20 years, man, it's a long run, and I've said this time and time again, one of my favorite conferences to attend. With me this morning, before we get started, is Joel Rasmus, the Managing Director of Serious. Good morning, Joel. How are you? Good morning, Nick. Great to be here. Thank you very much. Actually, returning guest, one of the few returning guests I've had on. So I don't know if that's a privilege or. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely a privilege for me. I, I, I appreciate the opportunity to be on. Yeah, we spoke at the uh, inaugural Cybertech conference in Indianapolis this past summer. Yep. And going to hopefully get back to there uh, with the podcast on the uh, July 24th and 25th. I, I think that's, that's the correct date, yeah. yes. So looking forward to that. Uh, so let's talk serious. <laughs> uh, to use Josh Corman's uh, famous meme that he's presented here a couple times. Day one's in the books. How did it go in your opinion? It was good. I mean, and you know, anytime you run a, a event as big as this one, there's always little things that you plan that didn't run exactly as you as you had hoped. But it's also those things that I know that the staff are the serious staff are probably the only ones that realize well that's not exactly how we had planned it but um i, I think it went very very well i mean uh, uh one great staff did good organization but uh, the speakers were just fantastic yesterday yeah. i mean we had such a great lineup and so i can't take any credit for that because uh, the the comments that were made and the interactions were just fantastic yesterday we had a lot of people that this is their very first time attending and that came up afterwards and just said this is not like any other security conference out there you know they think that oh it's at purdue it's going to be very academic and this is not an academic yet we have an awful lot of academics uh, talking about their research Um, but there's obviously a lot of um, attention that goes into which which faculty which students Mm -hmm. to put up in front of the stage not necessarily because they're great presenters but uh, although that can be part of it but it's um looking for that uh TRL, the technology readiness level of yeah. the of the, fa- of the of the research, uh, people aren't coming here to talk about theory. They want to know about okay, what is what has happened that actually can help the industry become more secure. Yeah. Also, want to get, thank you again in person. I've 
been blasting all over social media, but the opportunity to speak with Ray Rothrock yesterday was great. Yeah, his talk was really oh, good, it was wasn't it? Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, he's got the book. I've seen some, even last night, looking through some really good comments on, on his book. So I, one of the things that I really enjoy outside of just being at my alma mater is the level of speakers that come here from industry, from government. Uh, it is very high caliber, but also I think the word that I use to describe the intimacy of this conference is it's you know, a couple hundred people. Yeah, we have registration right at 400. Yeah. But, you know, some of those are faculty and students, so you're, you're right. There's never 400 in the room at any one time. Uh, that's kind of nice for the students to be able to go to class but come over here in between yeah. class because uh, you don't see very many students at other conferences. And uh, one, of course, as an academic institution, I think it's important for them. But the feedback we get from people in the audience is that they like interacting with the students. Yeah. And there are offers that go to students yep. standing right here. We had, we had the poster session last night uh, highlighting 48 different uh, cyber, cyber physical systems research projects. And uh, I, I, I say this every year, and I saw it last night twice, that uh, that uh, industry company uh, commercial companies meeting with a student hearing about the research and said and do you have an internship this summer yep. or when are you graduating because we'd love to have you come work yeah. for us and so it's uh, it's pretty cool to see yeah I I remember I actually and I posted this last night during the speed dating round of the poster yeah. preview <laughs> it brought back some memories and not only the interaction uh, that the students get with industry and government and other academics, um, it's also the experience of getting out and presenting and, and any of that practical application is just phenomenal experience for the students. I agree. Um, and I th you and I have talked about this uh, quite a while ago. I said one of the, the things that I think we're pretty proud of, but... Uh, again, very hard for me to take any credit for it, is that the students here seem to be very uh, in tune to industry. And, and yes, the, the opportunity yesterday, uh, last night, to, to be in the poster session dealing face-to-face, -face, explaining their research, explaining what they're working on to uh, professionals within the industry is, is good for the students. But yesterday, uh, we, it's listed in the program as the poster preview. But yeah, even internally, we call it speed dating with technology uh, that we give the students 75 seconds. So we actually don't cut them off until 90, but we tell them we get 75 seconds to stand in front of the room of 300 people, uh, 300 cybersecurity experts, and say, this is my research, this is why it's important, and this is why you should come see me. 90 seconds, they got to finish that up. And if they're yep. not done in 90 seconds, we yep. cut them off. Yep. So we, te we, we teach them, we tell them to practice, we tell them to put, stand in front of their, their advisor, their peers, and get ready so that they can make the nice pitch. Uh, because otherwise, uh, they may be standing in front of their poster and not have yeah. any, any interest at all. Um, so the, that gives them an opportunity to, to be able to, to interact as well. And then uh, during the academic year, you know, we, we host the Serious Security Seminar every week. And uh, it is a four-credit class, but I, I tell the students it's, it's got to be one of the easiest classes there are because there is absolutely no required reading, no tests, no papers you have to write. But you have to show up every yeah. week, and you have to listen to the, to, the, to the speaker. And so every week we bring in somebody from industry. So we don't want the students to get locked in an ivory tower. We want them to understand what is going on in the real world and have to deal with what uh, industry is facing. Uh, it absolutely helps shape an awful lot of our graduate students who are in, the, in that class uh, shape their research or shape their view of their existing reach, of their research. So, uh, again, we try very, very hard to embrace uh, Purdue's land-grant mission of solving real-world problems and not get stuck in the ivory tower and, and just talk about theory. So. Yeah. Well, I noticed a couple of students as they were coming back into the, the seating up in front of where I'm, we're sitting, it was like relief. You could tell, I mean, there's oh. some of the nerves, and just as soon as they I just see it physically kind of melt off of them that they went through that we've pitch. All, we've all been there, haven't we? Yeah. We were thrown up in front of a room, and we have to uh, talk about uh, our work or, or some yeah. subject. You know, yeah, there's a little bit of stage fright. It hits yeah. most of us many times. But for a lot of these students, it's the very first time other than standing up in a classroom, but standing yeah. in front of a conference of, of professionals yeah. in the industry and saying, 
I am doing research in your expertise area. Let me yeah. tell you about it. That so is, it's a little it's intimidating yeah, it it, for a lot of these students. Yes, it yeah. can be. You give a little bit of the um, imposter syndrome going on, on that happens. <laughs> it's like, all these experts here, and I'm just this you know, lowly yeah. grad student or undergrad student doing, what do I know? But, I mean, it's having been sitting on both sides of the aisle, I mean, it's good interaction it's good experience and sometimes it's like hey from the expert i like that research man you're hitting on something that i didn't think about yeah. so i mean it's from that aspect that's the one of the other things i think is so great about the this conference and i am glad to be a part of it and continue to to come here and 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 just experience and most of the time i just sit back and watch because there's just a ton of information it's just like drinking from five fire hose you know it wasn't that many years ago that you were one of those students in front of the room talking about your work as yeah, well so i know yeah so I'm, I'm sure you have an appreciation for those the kids are up there so so day two again we're about oh t-minus about 25, 25 minutes, minutes from now, yeah. From we're gonna starting. we're gonna kick off uh, the first thing uh, with awards. So every year we give uh, poster awards. Again, last night was the poster session. Uh, all of the strategic, serious strategic partners. Those are the companies that are part of our, our consortium and have a seat on our board. Uh, they're giving. Uh, la- yeah, we went we went high tech. We entered the 2000s yesterday. <laughs> we, instead of giving them a paper ballot, we actually built a, a little uh, desktop uh, uh, that they could pull up on their smartphones and uh, do some electronic voting. So we're going to give awards to the uh, first, second, and third place posters. So the students get a little cash money nice. uh, for recognition. Helps. And uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's always nice to have a little extra cash. But yeah. but honestly, and they and I think most of the students know this. It is a line on their resume. You yep. know that they are, are one of the uh, deemed one of the that industry deemed their research uh, as one of the best projects at the Serious uh, Security Symposium. Uh, so that and then we have a pillar award. Uh, that we give to a non-student who has done something or has done a series of things throughout the year to prop up, to be a pillar of Sirius. We give a diamond award, which uh, Professor Spafford came up with this name years ago. I love it. Uh, That is an award to a graduating graduate student. So they have to graduate within this last 12 months or or for most of them, including this year, uh, graduating here in about a month. And the idea is that uh, through extreme pressure, (laughs) heat and time, coal is turned into a diamond. So so, so we we typically look for a student who comes in uh, that uh, has had to overcome uh, whatever it might be, uh, but then has ended up excelling. So we had, oh, it's such tremendous candidates this year that uh, uh, it, was, it was hard to decide, but we have a very, very deserving candidate who's going to win the Serious Diamond Student, student Diamond Award. Uh, we're also going to recognize today the winners of the Sandia National Labs Tracer Fire, which was a cyber uh, forensics competition we held here over the weekend, Friday night, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. So while you say day two, I keep saying, no, this is day five. Yeah, this is day, day six. I saw so. some um, social media posts on that, yeah. both on LinkedIn. I think even the friends of Sirius uh, Facebook page. Uh, Facebook, yeah, and sure, and, so. and tweeted a few. I, I yeah. even tweeted a few photos from it yeah. as well. Yeah, that was a, I'll tell you, that was an unbelievably cool event, and all the credit to Sandia National Labs that brought it here. Um, it was a complete scenario set up, and they, each, each of the teams, student teams, three or four members per team, uh, were given a little mini network that were flat, were, were imaged uh, for an enterprise network and said, okay, we know that we've been hacked, but... We don't know who, what, what they took, where they go, who were the targets. Go at it. And they had uh, the first day, so all, well, we had a networking event on Friday, and then all day Saturday was a workshop that taught hands-on uh, techniques to the nice. students, showed them uh, open source tools that they could go out and grab. It was, it was really cool. And then all day Sunday was the competition, and it was, uh, you know, the lights went down, yeah. a little bit of music in the background. <laughs> it was pretty tense, a lot of keystrokes yeah. you could hear. And then every once in a while, woo! You know, so, okay, they made a yeah. thing. And, and they, so, the, but Sandy had built a, a, um, an, an entire scenario and, and then uh, had supplemental. They had like fake videos uh, that were news reports that, nice. that, okay, does this have anything to do with our competition or is this just, uh, you know, something that's, uh, yeah. that's mixture in there? And a little bit was just mixture. It was just, a, okay. Or, yeah. It, but it, some of the news stories had 
oh, hold on. I think this person disappearing has something to do with this case that we're working on. And then the, each of the student groups had to come in. We are, there was 13 Sandia cybersecurity digital forensics experts in the room. And they had to come in and say, our team found and went through, you know, what were the breaches? Who was the target? Yeah. What was taken? And, and where are those people nice. now? It was very cool. So we're going to recognize those people. And then uh, I think that's, that's uh, is that four? Yeah, that's all, all four awards this morning. And then keynotes. We, as you and I are sitting here, uh, uh, Chris Inglis, the uh, former director. Direct, uh, deputy Director of the NSA, who's now adjunct faculty at the uh, Naval Academy teaching cyber, which, by the way, the Naval Academy's cybersecurity program was set up by Professor Spafford in Sirius, yeah. so in, in part. So we're, we're, it, we're another part of our, uh, of our family tree. So he's going to be the keynote speaker this morning. We have some, um, a couple of panel discussions today. Each of the four panel discussions at the symposium this year were themed to the grand challenge or the grand... Um, uh, the giant leaps. There we go. The giant leaps ideas of Purdue's 150th anniversary celebration. So yesterday, we talked about uh, artificial. So uh, giant leaps in security and, art and artificial intelligence. The next one was giant leaps in um, sustainable economy and planet, which I it, found as a it, fascinating. It was very interesting conversation. Um, uh, Henny Abdel Kalek, one of our uh, engineering, uh, nuclear engineering faculty, who's a member of Sirius, had uh, was the fourth of the panelists to speak and said, "You know, I've read the bios of the three other panelists, and there's no way we'd we would meet in in real life yeah. if it weren't for Sirius." But they yeah. were, you know, people who were working in smart manufacturing, again, nuclear engineering, so power generation. Uh, Steve Chapin, who was from. Uh, Lawrence Livermore that is working on power grid primarily for EVs, so for electronic vehicle, electric vehicles, uh, because there's not the grid to support it yet yeah. to, to start driving across country. Yeah. Uh, and then Simon Hunt, uh, an executive vice president of, um, of MasterCard, on how what the things that MasterCard are doing to for sustainable economy mm -hmm. and uh, helping the planet, so true green initiatives. It was a fascinating conversation. So today... The other two themes are space exploration. So we have a mixture of people uh, that are working on uh, satellites uh, and other other space yeah. exploration, as and, well as some faculty. And just came out this morning, NASA just awarded Purdue a, a, a grant for some future moon exploration. Yeah, it was very exciting. Yeah. It was a big, big, yeah. uh, big announcement this morning. Uh, I hadn't heard about it this morning either. Uh, you know, I'm not in Astro Aero, but we have a lot of those faculty. But yeah, that was a huge announcement. And then the uh, the last panel today is on uh, uh, healthcare and longevity. Uh, you know, the easy ones to connect are these wearable health devices mm -hmm. that are all a part of the IoT and yep. the vulnerabilities, but other things as well. Oh yeah, and of course, you know, healthcare records, all those things that we've been looking at that still need addressed. Yep. But uh, uh, I'm I'm extremely proud of the lineup that we've had and and um, uh, I, the feedback so far has been fantastic. So yeah, very good. Well, we're glad that you're here. Yeah, I, you know I'm glad to be here. And so so the day before the symposium started, we actually hosted the Northrop Grumman Cybersecurity Research Consortium. So we had uh, a whole bunch of uh, researchers from Northrop Grumman. Uh, Purdue is receiving about a million dollars a year in funding from Northrop Grumman to do cyber and cyber physical. Uh, security, autonomy, and machine learning research. Uh, but we also had our peers from Carnegie Mellon, MIT, and the University of Southern California, the other three universities that are part of that consortium. And then tomorrow uh, will be our the series board meeting. So our external advisory board. So each of the strategic partners who are part of the uh, serious consortium. They have a seat in our board. They get the first look at the new research coming out. They also help us pick which research to fund internally. Uh, they have the inside track on hiring our students. Uh, we can't tell our students who to go work for, but we certainly can put things in place to make sure that those organizations uh, have opportunities to meet the students and that our students have opportunities to hear about the uh, great career and internship uh, that are offered by those those companies uh, and then we do all the rest of those things that do this so it's been uh, it's been again started friday saturday sunday with the one monday meeting 
Tuesday, Wednesday for this, Thursday next. Uh, so this is sort of the serious hell week for some of us, uh, but it is enjoyable. Yeah. And, and uh, I want to thank you for, for being here. You create a little bit of buzz in the back of the room, people trying to figure out what's that guy with the microphones back there. Uh, you know, when we last talked, I don't think you had a banner that no. said the Cyber.Now no, podcast. So uh, uh, we sent a few people back here, so I'm anxious to listen over the next few weeks uh, to hear the yeah. conversations with other people. Yeah, and, and they'll say, oh, man, what a horrible event that's been. No, <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Uh, no, again, appreciate the opportunity. I know this podcast is a passion project for me, so any uh, additional things that I can do to get it out there to create that buzz to, you know, increase even the listenership by one is is well worth the time and just being here at this amazing uh, conference is always uh, something that I, I I would I hope to continue to do for many years your your work you're welcome back at any time and my my last plug here is that I know the beauty of a podcast is th that this is going to go up this next week a lot of people are going to hear it but a year two years from now yeah. people are going to pull this up as well so this is probably a great thing to point out is that the entire session, this entire two-day event, uh, everything is being video recorded, and they'll be available for download off of our website, uh, the Sirius website, as well as our YouTube channel. So we talked about some of the cool things that happened yesterday and the cool things that are going to happen today. Uh, your listeners will actually be able to tune in and, and hear Mr. Inglis's uh, uh, talk or yeah. Mr. Rothrock's talk yesterday, as well as the panel. So, um, so to your readers, you can always, or listeners, you can always uh, pull up the Sirius website, so uh, www.seriusceria.purdue.edu, and there's a link for the symposium, and all the all the videos will be posted there. And they can find you guys on social media as well. I know we mentioned the Facebook page. Yeah, we're, we're, we're on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, and very soon we have a new staff member starting that uh, I'm going to try to hand off a lot of the social media to. Uh, that will open up our, our Instagram account that uh, is registered but is yeah. pretty pretty uh, uh, ignored right now at this point. So, Well, Joel, thank you again. Thanks My for pleasure, Nick. Thanks and, a lot. What's, here's to another great day. Thank you. All right. Bye. Welcome back. We are after lunch. The first industry tech talk has just wrapped up. And with me, I have Mark Lepker of the Cyber Center for Education and Innovation, home of the National Cryptologic Museum. Thank podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited about being here and, and talking a little bit about what we do at the Cyber Center. Obviously, my interest for being here at Sirius is I'm a graduate of the Technology School, Electrical Engineering Technology, which is now the Polytech School. Uh, so uh, always come back. I was born and raised here uh, in Lafayette, Indiana. So it's it's always home. I live yeah. other places, but yeah. this is home. I understand that um, feeling. So I love coming back for Sirius and, and engaging. But one of the things I wanted to share with you is kind of what we're doing at the Cyber Center. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about it. What's yeah. going on there? Well, we're really focused on the K-12. to um, uh, I, I think the, the cyber challenges we have today is filling the pipeline. Um, if you go to cyberseek.org, which is hosted by NIST, yep. etc., it'll show you live that there's over 300,000 openings today. Um, and we're not uh, wanted for schools to teach at the university level. Yep. We have over 200 and some odd centers of academic excellence, Purdue being one of the first. Um, so there's lots of universities with, with curricula to teach. Uh, but what we have the challenge is getting those uh, students who want to uh, learn about cyber because they just don't know about it. Yeah, and from that, you know, again, a lot of great universities out there, even some high schoolers getting introduced in, into some coding. I mean, there's here in Indiana, there is a legislative initiative to uh, mandate coding and computer science into high schools. But really, from a foundational IT technology level, you've really got to understand the basis of cybersecurity. You really have to have that foundation early and then build upon that. So the earlier you can start those foundational skills, the better you're setting up those individuals 
for cyber and other advanced technical. Yeah, you hit the nail right on the head, and that's kind of what the Cyber Center is looking towards is the K-12 spectrum. We've got some really good corporate sponsors like Northrop Grumman and, and Northern Trust and, and Lockheed Martin and, and the Hewlett Foundation who, who agree with that uh, because they need those people to hire, uh, and they also agree that it's the K-12 spot. So what we're looking at is, is in a, in a K-4 area, we're looking at ways to provide cyber citizenship, okay. cyber ethics, um, uh, in a way that's palatable to that age group. Uh, I'm sure when you were growing up, like I was growing up, mom always said, you don't go next door and open the door and walk in and yep. get yourself a cola. Yep. You know, there's certain things you do. Well, you had the citizenship type of depends. I remember as a kid getting a citizenship pen. Exactly. And we don't have that in cyber. Yep. So we're doing a lot of stuff that we do in the kinetic world. It's the same stuff. We just need to transfer it to cyber. Yeah. And I think because of how rapidly technology has just exploded in our daily lives, us adults are still kind of figuring yeah. it out too. Yeah. So. And so we think the sweet spot is fifth grade. Okay. Um, and why is that? Um, well, the sweet spot at fifth grade is be they're becoming aware. They're okay. becoming aware of, of what people do. They notice what the postman does, what the fireman does, what the lawyer does, what the school teacher does. And in those classes, you start hearing, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? Okay. Uh, some people have asked me, what is my metric at the cyber center? And I think the metric would be walking into that fifth grade class. And amongst the, the great uh, people who want to be a lawyer, who want to be a policeman, a fireman, a school teacher, a garbage collector, um, I'd love for some of those kids to raise their hand and say, I want to be a cyber person whatever that may be, yeah. uh, but in order for them to say that, they got to know what yep. we do, and they don't know what we do. Well, and it, that's an area near and dear to my heart, obviously, and <laughs> right. uh, having, especially kids. I've got a, a daughter that is 12 years old, really into STEM, and, yeah. and I wish there was more of that opportunity for them now to to understand explore it's not just some necessarily some you know ethical hacker right. behind a keyboard there's a lot of things that what it means to be a cyber professional. it is it, it's a full spectrum it goes all the way from people interested in finance to to law to sociology because um, you heard from Chris Inglis in the, in the morning yep. that that it's all about the adversary that has nothing to do with technology nope it has everything to do with human behavior Yep. And so we need those human behavior interested kids to be involved in cyber so that we can have those rich um, uh, dialogues on how to design. And we still need the computer science guys, Yes. but we need the full spectrum. And so by getting into the classrooms at fifth grade and then uh, sixth uh, through middle school, uh, putting in actual programs where they can get in, involved in, in the other non-technical attributes like in ethics and policy, etc., um, and then the high school programs are becoming rich. You have uh, Gen Cyber, you got Cyber Patriot, so you've got a lot of those attributes. I know Dr. Melissa Dark here at Purdue is heavily involved in developing that modular content yeah. for the high school environment. And we at the center are working to help develop a framework that all that fits into at the high school level to start. Yeah. Um, we then hope to expand that down to the grade school level, yeah. uh, but first things first. Uh, and so that's kind of what we're doing at, at, at the center. It's really exciting uh, to get in the K-12 space because by exciting that, that level of education, we're going to start filling the pipeline. Yep. And the sooner you do that, the, the quicker it'll <laughs> start to fill. Exactly. These, I heard earlier today in the next five or ten years, two million yeah. cybersecurity jobs that will be yeah. open. Um, Definitely opportunity for for kids to go into very well-paying jobs, right? Uh, and that's interesting. Yeah. It's engaging. You yeah. never know what you're going to get into any day when you're in the cyber. It's not like being an accountant, a tax accountant, where you're just churning numbers. Right. It's a really exciting stuff. It is. It is some really good stuff. And working with a company called Nepris. Um, uh, .com, um, we're actually being able to take people like myself who've retired from the National Security Agency, and there's a lot of us out there who have been working the cyber profession for a long time, who are now retired, who want to give back. Uh, the challenge we have in K-12 um, is that the teachers 
just don't understand the topical area yeah. to feel comfortable to teach it. Um, using a tool like Nepris where we can get into the classroom in that 50-minute uh, space, you can have a technical expert like myself deliver 20 minutes of content, yeah. and then the teacher still does the teaching. I don't want to be a teacher, but I know the content, and I can help that teacher provide content and then that teacher can do their job and be the teacher while I can be their textbook, except a live yeah. textbook, yeah. and provide that expertise. So that's uh, some of the ways we're trying to attack this problem at the center is provide that opportunity to, to bring that content down into the K-12 space to excite these uh, young Americans on what it's all about. Um, and I have yet to talk with one of the kids in these, in these NEPR uh, sessions that we have who had absolutely no clue. And after the sessions of going, my goodness, I want to do that. Yeah, and it, it's great. And I said it goes beyond understanding how the phones work, yes. how the computers work. Peel that yeah. layered back, get in a little bit deeper uh, to truly understand, you know, what's going on, right. and, and talk about the citizenship, how you should act and treat other people right. online, um, who you should, you know. Uh, talk to or not talk to because I've heard stories after stories of kids getting on Xbox Live right. and, and you know and bad things actually happening right. and, and being exposed to some things that as a parent scares the living you know, bejesus out of me right. that the, the kids are being exposed yeah. to. Well I'm glad I'm a grandparent um, versus a parent today. Um, uh, we didn't have that challenge when I was parenting um, to the scale it is today. Um, I wasn't born that long ago, but, <laughs> but, but as, as my uh, children who are now parents are faced with that challenge of managing the, uh, the use of the phones. Um, I heard it by one of the other speakers said that a lot of people are app users. They just want the app to work. Yeah. Um, we need people who need to understand how the app is working and what is being uh, provided to people that we don't know is getting that information. Yep. It's just being cognizant yeah. and realizing that it, it does matter because most people think, well, it won't happen to me. Yeah. I'm not at risk. When actually everybody, I'm sure you, if you go in this room, there are several people who have been affected by identity theft right. or some type of cyber crime multiple times. Not just once, right. but multiple times. Well, and I think the challenge that we have as well is those of us who are in the profession like yourself and the people in this room, we take it for granted that people know what we know, and they don't. Yeah. And, and I was in one of my uh, sessions I did on Nepris with the sixth graders, um, uh, I was talking about cyber hygiene, and I was talking about the fact that Snapchat, that that doesn't go away. And one of the students raised their hand, what do you mean it doesn't go away? I said, it doesn't go away. Yeah, yeah it does, it disappears. I said, no, you don't <laughs> see it anymore. Yeah. But that picture, once you submitted it, it's on the internet forever. Yep. And they said, you're kidding. I said, no, where have you been yeah. living? Because I thought that was ubiquitously known. But no, it isn't. And so I think our challenge is the stuff we know, we think everybody knows. And we have to continue to impart that knowledge, especially in the K-12 space. Because that, that uh, sixth grader had no idea that the stuff that he put out on Snapchat would be retrievable at some point in the future. Yep. I mean, it's great for communication, the people that you can talk to and keep in touch with, but there is that, that downside, and it's just making sure that we're educated. Well, and that's where the citizenship comes. Yep. That's where the ethics comes. If, if you're using Snapchat and you're not willing to let your mom see what you put on Snapchat, you probably shouldn't have put it on Snapchat. Yeah. I mean, that, that's been an age-old saying for years. You know, if right. You, you wouldn't say it in front of Grandma. You probably shouldn't say it at all. So. Exactly. Exactly. And so we do that in the normal world. Yeah. The, the cyber world's no different. Yeah, and I think in, there's just this mystique around cyber. And, right. and sometimes I think the, perf, the uh, industry and the professionals are kind of to blame with having that mystique around what we do that has caused some of that. And, and we really have to break that yeah. barrier down. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with you at all on that. So, yeah. Well, Mark, I appreciate it. I know I want to get you on um, back on the show for a little bit longer conversation. We're getting close to the, the start of right. the next session. But thank you. For Would love that. Thank you very yeah. much. I really appreciate being yeah. here. All right. Thanks, Mark. Okay, you have a great day. You too. I want to take a quick break here and 
replay the conversation that I had with Doug Rapp of Delta Research. Coming live from Sirius Symposium, the 20th annual security conference here with, what is your title, Doug, at Delta Research, the the premium cybersecurity sponsor <laughs> for the Cyber.Now podcast. Glad to have you on board. Glad to get you here to talk a little about Delta Research. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, so what is my title? Um, we're not real big on titles, but uh, I guess uh, I'm a founder or principal or whatever you choose to call me now. But uh, more than anything, I'm kind of the lead consultant. So tell us, what does Delta Research do? Why should my listeners come check you guys out? Yeah, so Delta Research uh, is uh, just a group of uh, experts within the industry that got together that realized that they um, they had a lot of connections. So uh, what we do is a lot of business development and consulting around cybersecurity and technology. So uh, if, uh, if you have a major problem, um, we likely know somebody who has a solution for it. We're vendor agnostic. So uh, if somebody has a vendor solution out there, then uh, we can help you sort through it and see what's the best fit for you, uh, not, not, uh, not sell you a product or a service that you don't need. But uh, whether it's GDPR, whether it's uh, project management for building out socks or tool selection or those types of things, um, again, uh, we, we look out across all the solutions that are out there and help you pick the best one for you. So what is your guys's target kind of niche kind of sector is it all over the board or are you guys yeah. specializing in a certain area um so i would say the majority of what we do is is really uh, uh is, is really focused around cybersecurity solutions so um and, and that could be anything from like i said a, a big project that you need or helping find uh, specific talent so we know talent's a, a huge crisis out there um uh, so uh, we don't really have a specific niche um, outside of security and privacy and risk. Okay. Now, and, and then the companies that would be a good fit for you, are you doing small, medium, large size companies? I mean, what, what's that kind of um, focus? Well, we don't discriminate. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Any and all. <laughs> we are about, uh, we are about uh, action. We are about moving forward. We are about finding solutions. Um, and if we can help a... Uh, a uh, small company, uh, our, uh, our smallest client has uh, five employees, um, uh, and then our larger clients are enterprise level. So um, we, we, can, uh, we can assist anybody, and, and we certainly don't discriminate. We, we definitely want to be uh, uh, accessible to, uh, to smaller businesses because, you know, SMBs are 50% of the entire economy out there. Yeah. What distinguishes Delta Research from the other players in the game? Yeah, we're not sure what game we're playing, <laughs> so um, we, we're not sure who the other players are at this point. Uh, no, so we we are really uh, problem solvers, and that's the that's the focus that that we have. So um, I think many providers out there. Um, can offer you pinpoint solutions. So uh, whether it's uh, MSSP or VAR or something like that, that's not us. Um, if you have a uh, if you have a very specific need, um, we can we can help fulfill that need. So we're kind of more of a big picture, um, help steer you to the right place. Whether it's marketing strategy, business development, uh, project management, uh, any of those things. If you want to if you want to build a marketing plan or sell a product, uh, we can help you there. If you want to build a SOC, we can help you with, you know, what that layout looks like, what the tools are, what the infrastructure looks like, what markets to go after. So for those who would want to reach out for your guys' service, how do they get a hold of you? So we are right now uh, rebuilding our website, as, uh, as, uh, as a lot of folks are at this, this moment. So, um, but they can reach us, uh, they can reach me at uh, drap at cybercrossroads.com. Um, or they can, uh, when the website's up, it'll be up at uh, www.cybercrossroads.com. So, or uh, if you don't have my my, uh, my number, I'll be glad to hand it out. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you guys coming on and, and as a sponsor and the premium cybersecurity sponsor for the, the podcast. It's great to have you guys aboard. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. And I appreciate what you're doing for the uh, cybersecurity ecosystem here in the Midwest. Uh, you know, it's uh, people like yourself that uh, get down in the weeds and make things happen. And, and we appreciate that. Well, glad to partner with you guys. Thanks.
We are a wrap for the 20th annual Serious Security Symposium. With me, a very, very special guest. I'm very honored to, one, know him and, and actually have was probably the godfather of cybersecurity, at least here at Purdue, Gene Spafford, the real Spaff on Twitter. Dr. Spafford, thank you so very much for coming on the podcast. Very happy to be here. So it's a close. Most of the folks attending here are gone. What is your thoughts? What did you think about the, the, the conference over the last two days? Um, it's actually been over more than yeah, two days, yeah. and I, I think that's an incredible sign of, of the growth and the interest here. Uh, in past years, we've had maybe three days' worth of events, and here we've had five, uh, so it's been expanding. The number of registrants for this year was higher than it has been uh, in the last few years, except for last year. Last year was the special anniversary uh, yeah. session. But we had uh, a lot of people register. We had uh, near standing room only for a couple of the keynotes. Uh, the, the key, I think all the talks and the panels were really interesting. Yep, I would and agree. And so uh, I'm just overall really pleased at the continued interest and participation of everybody involved. So what do you think is that special secret sauce that keeps that interest what what do you think that i have said even when talking to joel earlier today the heavyweights in the industry and in academia that keep that come here to talk what is that draw uh, that makes this uh, symposium this conference so special well i think if you look at uh the speakers, uh, they're all people who've been passionate about this topic area um, in industry, in government, um, or we've had a few people from academia, but uh, all have had a real passion and worked in this area for years. And that's one thing that continues to drive them in the area. But the second thing is that we were really early on the scene here. This, this has been an effort that's more than 25 years old at Purdue, um, and we actually have a history that goes back uh, more than uh, 35 years in terms of uh, Dorothy Denning doing her work here, yeah. Matt Bishop doing his work here. And so the, Purdue has been on the map. These people know about it. They know the people who've come out of the program. Many of the people from industry and government have hired our uh, graduates and interacted with our, our people. So it's a familiar entity and one that has a history that they're interested in being part of. Yeah. Obviously, you know, have having done my master's here, I, I'm a little bit biased when I say this is a great university all around, but specifically in cybersecurity, physical security, and, and the things that are coming out of this, uh, or the two, you know, the program, serious program, are just phenomenal. Um, really, really cannot express it enough, especially, and I would thank you personally um, for, again, coming back on and, and the support and guidance and mentorship over the, the years that I've, uh, last couple of years that I've known you. So, um, just wanted to make sure I did that publicly on here, so it's well, on. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. I, I, I think that um, something that that you embody and and, and demonstrate, and that we saw uh, in large measure with speakers today as well. Uh, when we started Sirius, and I was not the only one. I was maybe the most energetic, and I was the one <laughs> out front taking the arrows. Um, but uh, what we saw is that, yes, there is a heavy computing technology component to this, that computer science, computer technology need to be a part of it. But we also recognized early on that it was the people and processes, uh, politics, education, uh, m philosophy. Um, that was talked about by several of the people here about what the values are, yeah. uh, what's appropriate. And so when we set up Sirius, it was intentionally across multiple departments and disciplines, intentionally to look at the idea that it is more than the technology, it is the overall uh, system of everybody who's involved. 
And we've tried to ensure that there's, there's research and emphasis in the speakers, the events, the classwork that's taught in this. That's another thing that set us apart from many other institutions where they've offered their classes as computer security or network security rather than looking at security writ large. Uh, that's why we've been so successful. And now when we listen to the speakers, and perhaps your uh, listeners to the podcast uh, will tune into the recorded versions of these talks. They'll be up in about a week. Uh, they'll see that people were talking about the, the values, the uh, people who are involved in the process, the political issues that are involved, uh, using data science, using psychology. And these are the same things we've been talking about now for two decades so that's another aspect, I think, that has led to the success and the willingness of so many people to participate. You mentioned that, one, you know, guys the, have been talking about some of these issues, so I'm going to pivot a little bit. Why are we still talking about those same issues 20-plus years later? Uh, they've been slow to catch on is part of it. Uh, we have so many issues, really, in the field as a whole, but... Um, one of the things I think that makes it difficult is uh, security is contextual. We don't have a set of universal arbitrary metrics that we can apply because what is secure in one environment uh, and one set of, of threat actors and what's at risk is going to be different from another. They require different investments, different kinds of uh, controls to be put in place. And as a result, it's hard. It's really difficult. And in the business environment, uh, the people who run businesses want to be able to account for what they spend. Yeah. They want to have solutions that work. I mean, you know this from what yeah. you do as a, as a day job. Yep. <laughs> uh, and, and they want to see that they're actually making a difference. They're protecting the enterprise, and they're spending the right amount of money. We haven't been able to give hard results for that that work across many industries, many different uh, kinds of, of businesses and, and environments. So we still talk about that. We're still trying to find silver bullets, but they don't exist. Yeah. And um, it's also the case that in many business environments, security hasn't been viewed as a process. It's been viewed as a set of products. So it's as if they think, well, if we buy fire extinguishers and put them around, that ends our risk. What's the equivalent in cybersecurity? Uh, we install a firewall and antivirus, and yep. that's it. But it's not. It's, it's an evolving arena where we're dealing with intelligent, motivated adversaries, and the technology is changing underfoot on a regular basis. Yeah, and just as the technologies that are used to or to mitigate, stop the threats are changing rapidly. The tools and techniques that the bad guys are using, adversaries are using, are changing just as well. So we talk, AI was a big focus um, yesterday and even a little bit today. You know, it, you know we use that as a potential um, way to solve security issues in organizations. The adversaries are using AI as well. Uh, right. to do the same thing and so it's kind of a you know cat and mouse you get one stick i get a bigger stick to get a bigger stick and 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 we're at a disadvantage i mean the the people who are attacking us the people who would exploit uh, our systems in one way or another uh, have generally shorter cycle time for their uh, tool development and for their deployment and they don't have to follow by the same rules we do yep so it's uh, challenge for us. We've got to get it right the first time. We've got to we've got to uh, continue to be vigilant because they're able to be very agile. Some of the criminal gangs and the nation state actors have a lot of resources they can bring to bear, and they don't have the set of constraints that yeah. we do on our side. Yeah, obviously we fall in the laws that are set forth in various countries. And they're bad guys for a reason. They're <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're they're breaking the laws, and so that that is a major, as you mentioned, disadvantage for us um, good guys, quote unquote, <laughs> that are trying to defend the the networks and the enterprises that. 
Yeah, I, and if you you can do some analogies to the physical world, and you're certainly familiar with these with the, with your background, is um, the criminals do break laws, and they're sometimes not afraid of who they hurt or what they damage along the way. Um, and some of them are are very well funded, or they don't care what they break. Yeah. Uh, but we have developed a set of defenses and a set of um, penalties to dissuade them. Um, some of it involves investigation after the fact. Some of it is prevention beforehand. Uh, bank vaults are a really good example that we invest a lot to prevent before something happens. Yep. Uh, we're still developing in this uh, arena. If we think about about uh, cybersecurity as a uh, an enterprise that's that's practiced in industry as well as um, the the governmental entities that that work on it really as a commercial enterprise it's only about 40 years old Not compared to like the financial or healthcare sectors and that have thousands yes, of years yeah 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 and so we're still developing some of the the norms and the defenses that we need to use um, it's frustrating that we don't have greater progress where we are now. Uh, and we have to move quickly because we put a lot of value behind these. Uh, but we should also understand that it is, it is an evolutionary process. This is, again, why we have to get back to the business owners, the risk owners, that uh, it, it isn't a set-and-forget kind of uh, protection because we don't know that yet. We don't really have all of the... Uh, uh, the ideas in place and the people in place where we can make that happen. When you talk about that, the data set if, in that well um, to deal if implementations or the, the things that we've done have actually been effective versus some of the other things. We mentioned fire extinguishers or sprinklers. We know, yeah, those are effective, and that's why, um, for the most part, they're mandated uh, through fire code and stuff like that. Got a large data set over a period of time to say, yeah, this is probably one of the other challenges because the technology is changing so fast. I'm, you know, using really good data sets to know, yeah, this is change it. You know, your data sets are could be changing completely. Yeah, and and um, there are a lot of other uh, aspects to this too. That if we were to die, do a deeper dive. So, for instance, uh, if we do comparisons to physical security, uh, whether it's banks or fire extinguishers and sprinklers, uh, we're looking there at an environment where, uh, over time, there have been financial penalties and incentives for organizations to adopt better technology. So when we had things like insurance companies that adjust rates according to risk. But to do that, they have to have enough actuarial data to know how to yeah. set that risk. Uh, we don't have that yet in our arena, in part because the technology changes so quickly. We also don't have the kinds of uh, financial penalties, the kinds of lawsuits against companies for bad behavior, uh, for failing to put in the appropriate controls. In fact, for, for many of these companies that have suffered big data breaches, it, it only has a momentary blip on their stock price. Mm -hmm. uh, for many of them, too, um, and I'm not going to pick any in particular, but uh, we can say, broadly speaking, uh, insurance companies, healthcare companies, retailers, <clears throat> they're losing other people's data. It isn't a loss to them. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a loss to the consumers, and the consumers don't have a way of translating that back as a cost on the company. Yeah, or <clears throat> even to know... It, how that breach is going to affect them long term mm -hmm. and course correct on their actions, you know, going to another company that's doing cybersecurity better than, you know, the other. Um, uh, yep. And there's also, um, there's also some, some differential uh, social costs that aren't, uh, we haven't really accounted for those. Um, in, in my introduction here for the, the closing keynote, I noted there was a, a news article this morning that uh, uh, the Russians have been identified as participating in social media to encourage the anti-vaxxer movement, specifically 
uh, not because it's a health threat to the public, that's a secondary, but to increase the division and distrust that people have in science and in governmental entities. And it's in their interest to destabilize the U.S. government and to create further dissent here. Uh, that's a cost. And when nation states are attacking our infrastructure, our financial in infrastructure, for instance, communications, transportation, uh, when they're interfering with our elections and interfering with our social media, there's a cost there that we don't have as a dollar and cents figure that we're not going to charge back against the companies individually. We don't have a way to do that. But it is a drain on us as a society. So how do we deal with that? The fact that companies lose a lot of, of uh, money, per, for instance, uh, somebody has to pay that. And that's cost back on us yep. that we have those losses. So we don't account for those well. We don't understand them well. And that's part of why we haven't really capitalized uh, the kinds of resources we need. But it's conferences like this. It's the research that's being done at inter universities like this that are really driving that conversation, really coming up with those solutions and, and thinking about these topics that, you know, that really, to go back to an earlier part of the conversation, I think are part of the reasons why we gets the, the type of quality of speakers and the, the, the Interesting. It's thought-provoking. It isn't, a, by any means, a vendor-driven <laughs> conference. Which, unlike some other ones, um, it's you know products are great, and you know get those um, deep thought-provoking conversations. The research that it's going to be governments by industry and even give an outlet for students haven't been. Get in front of um, potential employers and really help feed that ecosystem. So. Yeah, well, we we have a very deep and profound research enterprise here. Um, we have uh, perhaps a hundred ongoing security projects where results are being published in refereed uh, outlets. Uh, they're funded by by government agencies um, and commercial entities. Uh, the the students are doing advanced research, um, some really excellent work. Some of it is being adopted by companies or startups. And that's true at a lot of universities around the country. We could show that off, uh, and we had a little of it. We had some, a parallel session with some tech talks, and we had the poster session yeah. last night. Uh, but that's what a lot of other people are doing. Uh, as you note, know, this is not a vendor conference. So what we really try to hit is what makes us unique, and that is looking at the context of security and looking at these other features. Yeah, and it's good. I'm technical, but I think getting that mix of the policy, looking at the different angles, really makes this, and I, I can't remember who was one of the panels. It's like everybody on that panel in their day-to-day -day job probably would never have come across each other but because of this conference because of things are kind of converged it, they were able to meet and have a, a really unique conversation and that's a great outcome yep um, so i would encourage uh, certainly those listening to your podcast uh, to visit our website they can if they want they can certainly find uh, reports and other information that, that shows the technical depth. But under the section on the symposium, for the last few years, we've been recording all the talks and the panels and making them available for free. Uh, we also have a weekly seminar series where we have speakers coming from all over the world to talk on topics. And those are available for free on our website. Uh, we also upload them, I believe, to uh, YouTube and iTunes. Uh, our goal um, is to share uh, these ideas and to get other people to think about them. And so I would encourage people to look at those and to think about those and, and uh, you know, interact with us as they seem, see appropriate. 
And I can say personally, I know I've spoken at two of the uh, weekly seminars, and uh, there is a government official from Texas that said, hey, I went back specifically to, to look at your talks that you, you gave on uh, the the seminars, which is great. It's it's good to get that out there, and it's a, it goes to the mission of the university uh, of To me, I think that's a great thing. Um, 20 years in the books, what do you kind of, or when you look at the next 20 years, kind of what do you see happening with this, uh, with Sirius? What do you see happening with the symposium? Wow. Um, well, if you'd asked me that 20 years ago, I don't <laughs> think I would have been able to give you anything representing the, the reality. Um, what I'm seeing still is that uh, even though this is an ongoing and major need, the uh, support the, there's also a huge need for people working in computing in other areas. Some of it is faddish. Um, a lot of what goes on, you know, blockchain, AI, mm -hmm. data science, is are faddish. Not to say that some of it isn't a real need, but it, it draws away a lot of the interest and the investment. And uh, we're seeing that, too, in this area. Those are things that will um, undoubtedly continue to, to draw interest, and some, there will be some successes there. Uh, but security has to continue in the background. We've been very fortunate to have a number of partners in our program, both corporations and government agencies. Uh, we expect that to continue because there, there is going to be ongoing concern. Um, the the big challenge, I think, is to be able to grow the curriculum, modify the curriculum, to keep it relevant, and do it quickly to meet the needs that are going on outside. Um, universities are not always nimble, and that's a challenge. Yeah. We've been pretty good at that here, and, and I'm hoping we can continue to do that. Um, my biggest concern is that there will be some uh, major disasters that are are going to set us all back and maybe even maybe even give the the field a bad name to some extent. Um, in twenty years, I'm sure there's going to be a number of unexplained and and unforeseen events. Uh, I'd like to believe that we will continue to operate for decades to come. The need is there. I think the model is a good one. Yeah. We have great students coming in here. We've got some great faculty. Uh, but at the same time, we've also produced people who've gone on and been faculty at dozens of other universities. And, and so that spirit lives on even if what, what is here does not. Uh, this is going to continue to be a major area of concern. And um, I'm hoping that we continue to meet it and that the symposium continues to provide a venue for some leading-edge thought and asking questions that aren't answered in textbooks and aren't answered at vendor conferences, but give people an opportunity to think outside the box. Awesome. Any last thoughts uh, as far as, you know, you know, this podcast being very kind of general platform, you know, I keep it open as I can to, to the public. What are any other last tidbits of wisdom that you would like to impart on my uh, audience? Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's wisdom, um, although um, um, some of this was alluded to in this morning's talk that I, I provided some advice for starting up the cyber program at the Naval Academy. And one of the things I was adamant about was that every student had to learn some cyber that no system is untouched by computing. And I think that's all the more case now and going forward at this university, at every university, every person out there encounters computing in some way and will have more of it in the coming years. Everyone should learn some basics. Everyone is part of the solution. Uh, we have to work together. We shouldn't assume that others are going to do the protection for us. Um, just as, uh, like Neighborhood Watch, yep. right, is, is the police can't be patrolling all the time. So it's 
part of our duty as citizens, really, yeah. to keep our eyes open and to work together to make a safer environment. That's got to happen in cyber as well. Yeah. A little bit of individual responsibility along with the collective response. Take your own safety and the safety of you know, your immediate um, surroundings uh, to real care. I mean, you got to be thoughtful of it and you got to keep in, in mind situation. As you would in the physical, you need to have situational awareness uh, in the cyber as well. How can my hold of you on social media or um, if they want to follow you? Because uh, I know I follow you on Twitter and I, I love the things that you post because it's not all cyber. It's politics and some other stuff as well. Some, some rather bizarre yeah. items, yeah. too. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I let my sense of humor go there. Um, I have... Um, I do have a presence on Twitter, and you noted it at the beginning. Um, I also occasionally post things on LinkedIn. The majority of places, if they're interested in the security content, um, I have a regular, not regular, but irregular uh, post to the to the Sirius blog. So if they go to the Sirius webpage, which is http uh, as, that's the short version, um, there is a, a header entry for blog. And they can go there, and I will, um, every once in a while, sometimes once a week, write an essay or a discussion about something that's happened in the field. And that's probably a good place to start if they're interested. Okay, awesome. So I want to thank you one last time for taking some time. I know it's been a long, as you noted, five days um, uh, Wherever all the events going on. So thank you for taking a little extra time at the end of the, the symposium to down with me and be the final and definitely not least important actually probably the most important person here for me to to get on and I, i'm glad you took the time to sit down and have a little conversation i'm happy to do it happy to do it so uh, best of luck and thank you very much i'll, I'll look forward to uh, next year's symposium and maybe talking with you again then awesome thanks beth all right, guys, that's it for this week's show. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the conversations. Thanks again to Joel, Mark, and Spaff. Also, thanks again to our sponsor, Delta Research, for supporting the show. Again, if you want to join in on the conversation, go to the show's webpage at cyber.now.com. Go to our Facebook and Twitter pages, also our Instagram page, CyberNowPod. If you want to get a hold of me directly, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore Polititech or email me at nick at thepolititech.com. Finally, if you think this show is worthy, go to iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting platform to subscribe, rate, review. And then finally, again, don't forget to share the show. If you guys do all of that, I promise I will be back again next week to do this thing once more. Until then, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.